Welcome to Educator Forever, where we empower teachers to innovate education. Join us each week to hear stories of teachers expanding their impact beyond the classroom and explore ways to reimagine teaching and learning. Mariah Rankin-Landers is the co-founder of Studio Pathways. Mariah has been in service to the world as an educator, professional facilitator, pedagogical advisor, artist, and cultural practitioner for over 20 years. She is a leader in the field of culturally responsive teaching and learning through the arts. Recognized as an esteemed liberatory educator, she has led for visionary educational shifts, centering the idea of creative practice for social change. Welcome, Mariah. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Hi, Lily. I'm so excited to see you. Yay, me too. Well, I feel like I should set the stage by saying that my favorite five years of being a teacher were teaching with Mariah and really like such a gift to to have that time with you. And I learned so much from teaching with you. And even though like teaching was all the things and (laughs) exhausting, like I look back at those years with a lot of joy and appreciation. Oh, same. Absolutely. Yeah best time ever. Yay. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here, Lily. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, me too. Well, I always ask the same gigantic question and you can take it in any direction that you want, but tell us about your journey as an educator. My journey as an educator. I'm going to start with something that I recently learned, which is that through connecting with my mom's side of the family, learned that I come from a huge lineage of teachers, so much so that they won a state award back in the 50s, a state award. You're like family group of teachers? <laughs> yes. Everybody was apparently a teacher and I had no idea. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. So now I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I actually, I always like to say I did not want to be a teacher. I wanted to be an anthropologist. I studied anthropology. I basically knew teaching so well because I had you know, I was an aide while I was getting my credential. I was always working with children, worked in campsites, et cetera. Knew it naturally because of the classrooms that I grew up in, my mom and my grandma's classroom, of course. So when I, after I graduated, it was just the natural thing for me to do. So I got my credential. I'm going to say I did not enjoy the process of getting my credential. My credentialing program was a little problematic. But once I was in the classroom, it was wonderful. And I completely fell in love with being a kindergarten teacher. I started out in middle school and I had a principal that pegged me for kindergarten and I went kicking and screaming, did not want to do kindergarten. (laughs) And then I had this incredible year and was like, oh, I'm completely sold. Like this is it. And that principal was so smart. You know, she convinced me by saying, if you can teach kindergarten, you can teach whatever you want in the world. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. Okay. And it turns out to have been true. Okay. I love that. As they give teaching kindergarten as being like, you can teach anything. Cause mm-hmm. I think like when I think about things that I learned from teaching kindergarten, it's really like being able to explain things at a very basic level, exactly, which translates to anything exactly. and all the time. I'm like teaching kind of hard things. And I'm like, Oh, it's just the same thing I did teaching kindergarten. Yeah. And like people don't all have that skill. They don't. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so then you taught kindergarten. You were like, 
this is my place or you felt more into it and then what? Felt more into it and then expanded into K1 with you. And that was, that was like chef's kiss, sweet spot. Absolutely loved having a combo class. I thought that I would actually hate it. And I turns out it was phenomenal. So I highly recommend it for schools to do that split grade situation, particularly for us when we had half of our kids leaving early and then we're left with like 10 kids. It was perfect. Amazing. I know. Yeah, what I wish for every educator. Yeah, so that's pretty much that's the journey. I would say. Do you want the journey out of teaching? Yeah, tell us about that. <laughs> what came next after that? The journey out of teaching was actually quite personal. You were there for it. That I had a cancer diagnosis, and so grateful to you and all of our staff for supporting me through that. That's another story that I think needs to be told of how y'all showed up. But after that experience, I just was starting to feel, one, the the economics of being a teacher is already very hard. And then going through something like cancer with a teacher's salary was not fun and very stressful. And I think that I, I had already been feeling the impacts of being you know, a single person on a teacher's salary and trying to survive living in the Bay Area. And it was quite exhausting. And when I was going through the illness, I just was constantly feeling that I needed to do something more. I needed to stretch my impact because now you're experiencing like, oh, death is right in your face. Like, okay, let me, what else do I need to do on this planet? And so what I was feeling was I want to have more impact into my knowledge around how I teach, how I understand learning to happen, how I care for a community of learners, what I believe in in education. And so I made the leap into administration, which was leaping into the Alameda County Office of Education where our school sat under. And it was really just so transformative to go through an experience of seeing the wider world from that angle to understand how money moves in education more clearly to understand the vast amount of resources that exist for teachers, which I had really no idea of when I was in the classroom and to really, you know, assert myself as a leader beyond the classroom. I did have like a moment of feeling like, you know, the new fish in the sea of like feeling like a beginning teacher as an administrator. And that was quite a shock because I was so astute at being a master teacher and to like humbling, so humbling. And I don't know, it was, you know, getting through that. Yes, there's a lot of tension, a lot of like growth that you have to do internally but so rewarding to have made that leap and to find myself in a situation where I could actually buy a house, like was not able to do that as a teacher. So my economy changed. And I think that that is something that cannot be stressed enough. I know that everybody's repeating it in society, but it is absolutely true. It was unsustainable for me to be a teacher. Absolutely. I mean, me too. I feel that like, absolutely. And I think like, for me, it was really having kids and being like, oh, the amount that I would have to pay for childcare would be basically my teaching salary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yes. And like when you have two kids, like I don't understand. Like I don't, I truly don't understand. Yeah. And so then being like, well, how do I 
make the same amount of money at least mm-hmm. and have my kids home question mark right. <laughs> like, right. like how does that work so I think it's like yeah that's a reality for so many of us and it's also you know we can advocate for teacher salaries and also find ways forward to like make mm-hmm. a big impact and have more sustainability and I love that you've you know, gone through with that lens of being like, how can I really expand my impact? And can you tell us kind of more about where that went after working at the county office? I sure can. So I think in the search of wanting to be more liberated and have more impact, (laughs) the work that I was doing at the county was so beautiful and it was limited to the county, right? And I was holding this vision of this needs to be nationwide. So why can't this how can this be nationwide? And when I asked that question, I was told, no, you're staying here, right? Meaning I, you can only service teachers in the county. <laughs> yes. And you know me. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, we are tourist friends. We do not do that. Exactly. So started dreaming and happened to be working with your former student's mother, our former student's mother. Jessa. So Jessa Brie Moreno, who her daughter, who was Kamala, she now goes by Lily Lily. So Kamala was in your class. And then I had her for math. And Jessa was one of the parents that would come in and out. And, you know, we would see her. There's a lot of parent support at the school. But Jessa and I didn't really connect when we were at Knox. But when Jessa started working with me at the county office, we just clicked. And we clicked about all of the beliefs that we had in education. And it just was like so good. We just started dreaming together. And so we said, yeah, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Like, how can we have a broader approach and take these ideas into a national stance? And we did that. So we created Studio Pathways in 2019. Yay. <laughs> it was <laughs> quite a time. It was really cool. We started with uh, doing some some uh, curriculum design work that really jump-started us into getting us started as an organization. And then in 2020, March came in 2020, and there was a bit of like a, (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) what are we going to do now? But when schools decided or understood that they could pivot to online, and we also understood how we could creatively support teachers to teach online, that became like our niche where we were leading professional development and supporting teachers in like, how do you hold space when you're virtual? And it worked really well. And we had room to design and think and plan and create the arc of study that we now have, which is called Dear Lessons of Your Students, which is now a book. Yay. Yay. So yeah, it's been a really wonderful I would say wonderful and hard. Like I've learned so much. And I think any entrepreneur, particularly coming from the classroom, will have so much to learn if you've not been exposed to running a business, looking at at tax structures, looking at business licenses, all of those things. There's just so many components, right? And that was just incredibly eye-opening to have to reconfigure my retirement plan. Oh my gosh. I mean, so true. I've had those moments too. And then it's like, I've definitely caught myself being like, but I'm just a kindergarten teacher. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the right mindset to have. And I think it's like, it is honestly not that I'm like into reconfiguring my retirement plan or, uh-huh. you know, all the things that we have to do. Yeah. But I do think that it's like, it is admirable to try something new. 
and to yes. create something new and to have the courage and confidence to like, just know that you can figure it out, even if it's yeah. things are not like naturally appealing to you or that you haven't done before. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people like you kind of, you mentioned this a little bit before going to the county office of being like, oh, I'm like out of my comfort zone. And as teachers, we get so in our comfort zones, I think, for better and for worse. And we do kind of the same thing every year for many years. And so trying something new can feel extra scary. of just like, maybe I'm not the right person for this. Absolutely. But most likely you are the right person for this. Yeah, this is what I miss about teaching with you. Like the mind meld we would have when analyzing like a method or a pedagogical yes. stance was so good. I mean, it's so true that like risk is such a major part of expanding oneself outside of the classroom and trusting yourself to make that leap mm -hmm. and knowing that it is risky and like mm -hmm. you got to trust, you got to trust and go, what else can you do? Yeah. It's very liberating. It's been very liberating for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's cool thinking about like your journey of like almost like concentric circles or something, you know, mm -hmm. of like just like trying something new and getting more close. Like every step we take is like more closer to the thing that we're building. I don't know if that makes mm -hmm. sense, but like I feel like I found that too, where it's like, oh, I'm like in a part of this process and I don't even know necessarily where it's going to like go next but mm -hmm. it's like part of the process and it's like personal growth professional growth like expanding your impact all of those things along the way yes so tell us more about studio pathways can you explain for people kind of what you all do and tell us more about your book yeah we started off really focused on supporting schools so supporting methods of practice pedagogical shifts in the classroom and teaching and learning and what that has really shown itself to be is a whole school transformation. So taking a school through a major cultural shift because the work of culturally responsive teaching through the arts, which is what we're doing, requires a lot of self-investigation as a teacher, requires a lot of reflection on your practices that maybe you've been teaching for years and years and years and have never really analyzed through different lenses that we think are important to analyze. So we are taking collective groups of teachers that really want to be more pivotal in terms of having a better outcomes for their students, so holistic outcomes for their students. So not only academic, but social emotional, and really understanding what are the critical needs now to prepare our students for tomorrow. It's, you know, old old equation there, but remains true that we're constantly thinking about how, what is the evolving status of education and collectively, you know, getting kids ready for the future. And what we're really advocating for is a creative process. So building the creative capacity of students because creativity is the thing that is going to be essential, like now, <laughs> essential mm -hmm. now, certainly for the days ahead. So much so that the PISA report, which is a international student assessment, added creativity last year to their protocol. So that's brand new. And now teachers are going to be like, oh, right. It, it puts a lens on, puts a spotlight on creativity as being something that's now going to be core. So there's now a lot of work that states are doing to make sure that the arts are central to what school is about. So we're a part of that narrative of how do we insert arts, center the arts, 
and build the artistic minds of students. I love that. I mean, all of that is so beautiful and so needed. And I think it's also really beautiful and needed to see two teachers, you know, seeing what is working and what isn't working out there and really going forward to craft a new vision and supporting teachers of how to do that too. Because I think sometimes we can be like, oh, we just wish so many things would change. (laughs) Like, I wish it was like this. I wish it was like this. But then it's like, well, how does it actually get there? Right. And so I think that your book is a really great, like, how does it actually get there? Yeah. And can you you. tell folks a little bit about the book? Yeah. So the book is really, it's an invitation. It's a pathway. (laughs) It's a journey. So uh, I'll jump to part four because part four is where the work really started. Part four is the arc of study called that we call Dear Lessons of Your Students, though that is the name of the book. We sequenced a series of learning experiences for teachers that support their journey into activating the elements and processes, creative processes for culturally responsive teaching through the arts. So foundationally, there's some aspects here that need to be explored before you get to that work. And so we have this frame called the core four, and we want to make sure that teachers have a deep rooting in concepts around power, like how power shows up in the classroom, social power, you know, looking at how do you navigate race? How do you navigate gender? How do you navigate class? All the things in a classroom setting that is, you know, most of our classrooms are have a wide range of demographics in them. And then how do you understand the role of lineage? So a lot of people will put the focus on identity and we're actually putting the focus on lineage because a lineage tells you a lot, not just your blood lineage, but like all of the things that you're connected to. So as a teacher, we have a lineage of teachers that we come from. And what have we learned from like Maxine Green or whoever your favorite educator is in the world? How do you carry their voice forward and through you? So understanding a person's lineage will tell you a lot about the construction of their brain, right? So our brain, uh, Zaretta Hammond, who is my mentor and friend, love Zaretta so much and have learned so much from her, that culture is a software to our brain. And so we need to understand where we come from, our positionality on the planet, and all of that intersects with the narrative. So core four is power, lineage, narratives. So what are the narratives that hold us in the world? And what are the narratives we might need to interrupt? And what are the narratives we maybe need to create into a better future? And how are those around us? So we're constantly surrounded by narratives, whether it's through media, through the books we're reading, through the arrangement of furniture in our room, things like that. And then embodiment. So embodiment is huge because you're walking through the world in this body and like, you know, what's your vibe essentially? (laughs) (laughs) What are you embodying? (laughs) Yes. And that's the like put it in practice, right? Like Mm -hmm. that really is the like, okay, like examination, get clear on like your own beliefs and what you're carrying forward. And I love that too, of like, we are all this ecosystem, right? Of like, yes carrying on and learning from each other and moving forward. But I think if you don't have that embodiment, like you can just stay in your head the whole time. And then it's like, well, what does it look like in daily life? What does it look like in practice? What does it look like in the classroom? Yeah. Yeah. So we're really wanting people to connect the dots between culture, cognition, and creativity in the arts. 
through this understanding, through these frameworks that we've developed and have had great success with, and also has been researched and shown incredible, you know, outputs. So it's been really exciting. And thank you for asking me that question. Yes, absolutely. And I definitely recommend everybody checks out the book. We'll, of course, put links down below. But really, it's so good and so engaging and helpful mm-hmm. and powerful. So definitely recommend it. Yeah. And I'm curious a little bit about just like the construction of like, at this point where you are with Studio Pathways, like you have this whole approach, right? And this whole framework. But like, I'm sure it wasn't always that way. So can you tell us a little bit of like how that work evolved and shifted? Because I think for some people starting off being like, oh, I want to do this thing. It can feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to have like this whole thing mapped out. And like, it's like the end goal, but like, and unpack the process a little bit. Gosh, that's a great question to ask. You know, I, I came from a place that had a framework in place, had a whole idea around how do you introduce the concept of teaching through the arts to teachers And that was, what are the ways into integrated learning? So some basics around arts integration. And then there was an assessment piece. And then there was like, how do you do curriculum design? And it was a wonderful composition of study. And when we broke away from that, we didn't want to copy that because we could see the gaps in that program that we were running. And we were like, okay, there's, here's what needs our full attention. So with an understanding that we wanted to do something different, but still the same kind of, I don't know, worldview, I guess, of what that program was. I went on a journey of, you know, following my own interests of what are the things that are capturing my eye. And one of the first things that captured my eye was a trip to LA with Constance Moore, who's an artist and friend. And we went to the California African-American Museum and the work of Adia Millette was being shown. And I walked into that space and I just immediately felt stuff in my body. Like I just emote when I see art, first of all. And it was so striking to me what she was trying to display. Her concept was called Breaking Patterns, that I returned, you know, came back to the Bay and was asking my friends, does anyone know the artist Adia Millette? And someone did. And she agreed to meet me and have, you know, connect. And our first meeting, she was just so open to collaborating around what we could do for teachers. It was the very first experience where we kind of co-designed an idea of how teachers could work with her methods of practice and go through a series of questions that I was learning about around narrative intelligence. And it was to support teachers to kind of break away from maybe some established norms in their own life and in their own school and classroom life. And so we started trying it out. So we, you know, were, we had contracts with schools and we were just trying out, like, let's see, like, this seems really important. And when we were able to see how it was working and it was working really well, (laughs) we were like, oh, let's keep going. What's next? And so I just was going through like, what are the art pieces that I have been so affected by and moved by, which are, you'll see them in the book, Hank Willis Thomas's Cotton Bowl, Carrie James Marshall Heirlooms and Accessories, Grayscale by Amy Sherald, who painted Michelle Obama's portrait. And then we work with gesture and movement. So we have a dancer that we've worked with. And then Anna DeVere Smith, who's in theater, we use her verbatim process So that arc of study allowed us to connect teachers to the larger concepts we were wanting folks to grapple with, to deepen their work as educators that, 
you know, we're really taking them through the processes of how do you embody culturally responsive practice and do that in a creative, responsive way, in ways that all students can enter into learning through the art modalities. So I hope that's making sense. I hope that's Yes, clear. absolutely. I mean, totally. I think it's all awesome. And I think it's like trying something out like and being like, oh, it's working. Like, let's do more of that mm-hmm. is something that I think like we all can be encouraged to do more of because mm-hmm. even though it sounds kind of simple, I think oftentimes we talk ourselves out of it or it's like, or maybe try something else. We're like, how about we go in this direction? But it's like, Hey, try something out. And if it doesn't work, like, yeah, don't do it. But if it does work, like follow that energy of like, oh, it's working. Like, what can we add to it and evolve going forward? And I also just love and wanted to highlight like you tuning into what you personally were connecting with. And I think that that also is something that like everyone could do more of. of like, if it feels important to you, like then it will feel important to the other people that you're teaching about it. And that if it feels like, confusing or like I don't know I feel like that sometimes it's just like oh like there's so many different things right like Mm -hmm. go to what it calls you and like build from that point Um, yes I think all so powerful and like so exciting to watch the evolution and to see you know how everything will builds off of each other and so excited to see where you go next thank you Lily yes awesome well Thank you so much for sharing about your work. And again, I definitely recommend that everybody goes out and gets this book. Can you tell people where they can connect with you? Absolutely. We're on all the socials. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I think we mostly hang out on Instagram though, but find us there under Studio Pathways and I am under Mariah Rankin Landers and the book is available on Amazon and through Rutledge, who's our publisher. And also it's in 10 different countries, which is, oh, 12 different countries now, which I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, please enjoy. And then contact me. I really want to know how people are, you know, doing with the work. If they're trying, making attempts with things that are in the book, I want to hear about it. So please reach out. Definitely we'll respond. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's always so wonderful to connect with you. You too. Want to figure out your next step as an educator? Watch our free on-demand workshop and embrace a career pathway that works for you. Go to educatorforever.com slash workshop. You'll get introduced to the many options for flexible, rewarding work beyond the classroom and make a plan for landing jobs.